Hello and welcome to the True Athletic Fitness Mindset Motivation Podcast. In this episode, I revisit a chat that we had with my good mate Matthew Dyers. He's an ultramarathon runner. He also has a podcast called The Travel Bubble. You should check it out. Uh, it's an excellent podcast. He uh, talks about um, a lockdown scenario, kind of um, a dystopian reality where everyone is... Uh, you have to choose three countries that you've visited in your life and it's a really good concept and if you've not checked it out before please give it a go because it is it is really good listening um great 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 content um but in this episode i wanted to i did this as a live episode but what i wanted to do is republish it as an actual full episode because i thought there was some great content in there and we talk about the ins and outs of doing our ultra marathon that we did from the whole of Hadrian's Wall which is roughly 72 miles 135 kilometers from Newcastle upon Tyne all the way over to Carlisle following the historical route of Hadrian's Wall and obviously everything that went into it the highs lows and uh, we, we get into some real depth in this uh, conversation so I just wanted to release this as a full episode because I did it as a live and I didn't actually publish it so what you're going to hear is the, the the full conversation of what we did, how obviously how we prepared, how we actually went through it. Yeah, so it's a great episode. I just wanted to um, digest what we did, and uh, yeah, just uh, take what you can from it. If uh, if you can as well, if you've um, got an, an an Apple phone, please give us a, a five star rating on um, Apple I, uh, Apple Podcast. It just helps the algorithm and helps the visibility of the podcast and helps it share to other people. And uh, please comment, give me a, um, a like on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, yeah, share it with someone if it, if this has really helped someone. And uh, if you know someone who's going to do an ultramarathon, please reach out and uh, ask us some questions. So without further ado, here's me talking to my friend, Matthew Dyers. So I start by saying cheers, because I haven't in a while. What beer have you got? I've got Washington's. Oh, I went for a Northern Monk, mate. Sunshine up, yeah. Danielle already opened it, so luckily I got two. So, cheers, mate. Cheers. Mine's from like Padstow, between St. Ives and Padstow, which is like Cornwall. So That's where you're living at the okay. minute. Well, then, yeah. so while, while you're down there at the minute, what's going on? Since we last met, you were still up here, so. What oh, that's true, isn't it? When we, we speak so much, I forget that we haven't. Like, yeah. um, so, I was just doing, I was doing the tours down here, like, in October for Intrepid. Yeah. And it was just it was just so nice down here. We thought, why not just move and live down here? So we found a winter let. Like like cause in winter everyone exodus is from Cornwall and everything gets emptied. Yeah. So we just we found a winter let because it was cheaper. Moved down here and that winter let is over now, but now we found like a long term like um long term house. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So let's go in, like, obviously the reason that we're obviously doing this is time. It's kind of review from episode one where all this kind of uh, bubbled up from us just having a chat to then starting a podcast each because we both, uh, well, kind of you came on and said, like, I'll challenge you to do kind of an, an ultramarathon and you really wanted to do this 135k ultra, which seems insane, which is insane. And it was something that you had on your bucket list to do for your um, for your birthday but your birthday got cancelled because of the, the pandemic so initially if you obviously episode one we we spoke about obviously you getting into ultra marathons and what kind of drove you to to pursue such a, a challenging and tasking kind of uh, endurance event and uh, why you ended up doing it traveling the world so kind of like recap why you um, started to get into ultramarathon running initially and what, what what was the kind of driving force behind it for those who obviously don't know who you are and for those who obviously haven't listened to episode one. Obviously, there's only been 20, 20, 20 people who listened to episode one. <laughs> oh, no, only joking. Yeah, do you get me? Yeah, sorry, mate. So um, I was basically, I'm streaming live on, on Instagram, but because I've got my headphones plugged in, people can't hear you speaking on Instagram. So what I've just done is I've unplugged my headphones and now the, the audio is coming out. Right, so if you, you can just re recap that uh, that last question. Right, okay, recap. The last question was for the for the people obviously who didn't know that obviously how we even got into doing 135k ultra. It was because you have some 
crazy obsession of doing ultramarathons that you've done over 15 now you've done 16 17 whatever you've done now and why did you even get into that and why did you drag me into that whole <laughs> the, the whole experience of doing 135 kilo ultra really going back to episode one and just recapping for the people who haven't ever seen yeah what? yeah so obviously my for my 30th i was in australia the plan was before covid was to come home i'd book this big house at the end of one end of Hadrian's Wall, like for my mum, my nan, my sister, Emma, and like the baby, um, my sister's, my nephew. And the plan was, I was going to start off in Newcastle, run Hadrian's Wall, and uh, finish up in in this house. And that was going to be my like birthday bucket list run. And obviously because of uh, COVID, I got stuck in Australia, it got postponed. But the dream was to always carry on and do that. And I, I came on your podcast, episode one, and we mentioned that got brought up in conversation. Yeah, well, and, essentially, I just obviously said, if you want to do it, I can do it kind of thing. But obviously, I had a previous injury from rugby, and there was always that kind of, oh, will I be able to do it because of the injury? And obviously, I had to retire due to the injury that I had. So I just thought, you know what? People have said I can't do it. So I just thought, you know, I'll just back myself and I'll do it which in hindsight was probably a really stupid idea to be honest but let's um let's start by painting a picture of what hadrian's wall run is and why we actually did it initially so initially you did it because you are uh, this you had this kind of dream of doing this ultra running thing ultra ultra run this 135k from coast to coast if you want to google it and have a look it is it's Hadrian's Wall Path, and it's like 135 kilometers, 72 miles. It is actually mental when you think about it. But you want to do this, and the reason I want to do it was obviously because it was in support of Macmillan Cancer Support for uh, Danielle, who got recently diagnosed. Well, last at the time she was recently diagnosed or just just got clear of uh, cancer, so have a good cancer. So I, it was close to my heart, so I wanted to raise some money and raise some awareness for that. So that was kind of my motive behind just throwing myself in the deep end. So, but in, in order, in terms of actually planning and, and how, what, what you have to do in terms of training to go around running an ultramarathon, um, like let's go into how we even planned it and what we did. So, cause there wasn't much planning that went into it, to be honest. No, like I'm, I always say like, oh, anyone can do an ultra, like just back yourself and go and do it. But I wasn't, I wasn't fit because we were come back from Australia, like, lockdown you're just drinking every day like you're not doing as much exercise in australia you were literally limited to like kilometers from your house you could leave and a yeah. certain times of day and i just wasn't feeling like fit enough i wasn't feeling like I, I, I could probably i could do it so i was like we had mentioned it and you said I'm definitely gonna do it but i was kind of like the negative nelly on it you were weren't you? you were you were going you were like trying to put me down you're going mate you should probably start with a 50 you know just go over in fact just go over 35 you were like saying just go over just go over a marathon because that's technically your, an your goal was to do an ultra marathon so i thought let's just go and do an ultra marathon because i definitely do that but yeah. there's a difference between 50k and 135k oh my god is there yeah. 85k difference uh, <laughs> so, uh so i was like kind of getting and i didn't want to do it at all i I was, I was like, I had one foot out of it. I really did. Like, I was like, oh, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, good. I don't want, I don't even want to do it. <laughs> and this is you who's completed 16 of these. So I'm there going, the the naive kind of, uh, I'm, I've, I've played rugby. I can do this kind of thing. But honestly, I was into it up for a rude awakening because it was physically, emotionally, mentally, the, probably the toughest thing I've ever kind of done in a way. Um it was, it was so, so challenging and obviously nothing can prepare you for those kind of things. So why don't you briefly just go over some of the, the events that you've done in the past that like kind of gives you the the repertoire to be able to be on here to say like, oh, in fact, to, to guide me, to guide me to do this ultra. Yeah, well, so I've done about, like you say, about 15 like actual ultra races, ultra distance races and ultra marathons, anything over 26 miles, but technically it's 50K and over. And so I've done like races in the Thai mountains and races in the Slovak mountains, the Malaysian mountains, the Slovakia mountains. So usually big mountain races and you're talking like 5,000 meters, 6,000 meters of ascent over a hundred, hundred kilometers, which is, it's quite hilly. It's like, it's like 10, 
it's a quite a few Snowdens, like yeah, like it makes Snowden look <laughs> like a, a baby run, really. Um, and I've done a few like um, timed races where, like for instance, on a on a rooftop in Slovakia, just running circles for yeah uh, twelve hours to see how far you can go, which is flat, which is like, mentally tough. So mentally tough, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've done them before. I like most of them have been f- from little or no training, and definitely no specific training like in thailand i might have done a marathon to train like to train for the ultra but i've never i've not trained for the marathon i've just gone and done the marathon and gone okay now i've done that marathon i'll be okay to go and do an ultra marathon so it's it's always been like a mental thing i always thought the legs could do it yeah um but at the same time i don't think you can like take them lightly logistically if it's a cliche but if you fail to prepare like you won't be able to do it. So even like logistically, we needed to get our like food. We needed to get our gels. We needed to get like a backpack that we could run with for that length of time. So there was loads of little things that we needed in place. Because this, let me just yeah, let me just say that this 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 is one of the things that obviously I was pretty like green to and like very naive because I just essentially thought you know what I can just I've got the stamina I could just run and keep going. But like and and even though I've like I know a lot about nutrition and um, sports science and all this kind of stuff, that I still I still felt like you know if I just have the right water and the right salts, I'll be okay. But it's a whole different ball game. It's 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 something completely just you, you're never gonna kind of get used to. That's why you definitely need someone like yourself. And without you, I would have been I probably would have died to be honest. But without you, like obviously being through that that obviously system before and like knowing where checkpoints are, how much, how many times you need to refuel, when to slow down, when to not push yourself too much, like manage the body like constantly all the time, because it is, you're running across a full country, like, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not a a walk in the park. And by no means was it a walk in the park for any of it really, was it? It was like, as soon as you start, it was like crack of dawn, four in the morning. We've only slept for a few hours because that bed was absolutely disgusting. mate. It was like sleeping on, cardboard or even even worse like sleeping on gravel was like sleeping on the floor but then actually going out to then say right okay we're going to run across this country i don't think i could envisage how far that actually was like i couldn't like obviously what what were you thinking obviously that night before when we're in that hotel in uh, newcastle upon time and being like just packing all the gels and everything we got together yeah well like, it's exciting isn't it like when, when we were there in that hotel and like it was real then it was like right oh, this is actually happening in the morning now uh, but even then, like, I was op- I was opening and I was like, when we were waking up in the morning, I was like, well, maybe you won't knock on at four. <laughs> maybe we'll get like a couple of extra hours in bed. I'm so lazy, anything to get out of it. But we did it, we ended up starting, didn't we? But like, off the bat, it was uh, you, your base pace, your normal like running pace is a lot faster than my yeah. ultra pace. So reining you in was hard, right? Start starting off. Like we did the first 20k, even though it seemed slow, we did that really fast because yeah. we were fresh legged. And I kept saying to you, like, this is it feels good now, but imagine this in 20 hours' time or 10 I, I felt time. worse. I felt worse when we started just as we started off than we did halfway through, if you know what I mean. Like though that first initial start, because I had a really bad night's sleep and I just didn't think I was like fueled right. I don't think I I'd, I'd prepared myself enough going into it because clearly I've never run these kind of distances before. All I did going up to that, that ultra was um, a couple of five K's and then I built it up a couple of seven K's. Then I did a 10 K then I did a 20 uh, and then I did a half marathon. That's all I did. And like, obviously I was managing the fact that I had this, I had this hip operation uh, three years ago now. So I shouldn't obviously, I shouldn't be in any pain or anything now, but it's still obviously not right. So then I was always managing that thinking, Oh, it's, is this going to be all right? And is it going to be all right? And then obviously later on, that became a massive, massive factor for me, obviously, in terms of how my pain threshold and the speed that we ended up carrying on. So like, if, if there's people like, I know there's, I know there's a few people who have already messaged me saying that they want to know, like kind of logistically, how you would conquer one of these events, because um, let's just talk specifically of Hadrian's Wall, because We've done it. We know the kind of route. There's a there's there's a couple of guys who asked me um like how how did you go about planning it? What what would you take? So briefly, let's go over what we did from kind of start, medium, finish. Let's let's just synopsize the whole thing if we can. Yeah, well, let's say what what did we have in our bags really? We yeah we we 
we got our bags from Decathlon, and there's loads of bags on the market. Like you can spend hundreds of pounds on bags from Ultimate Direction, from Solomon, from Innovate, and I wouldn't say no to one of those bags, but at the time, like not much money, and we just needed this bag for this race. So we both went to Decathlon and bought their like thirty quid, yeah. thirty five quid bag, didn't we? Um, yeah. We both had the same one, didn't we? And it doesn't have to be fancy. It's just literally you need something that it's not going to like rub your tits off mm. after 100k and it's going to be able to carry enough water for you and yeah. enough the things that you need to eat while you're out running yeah. so we went out and got that um and that was like the main thing logistically and then we needed gels we needed like snack bars we need protein cookies so yeah i think yeah. what i like to say is like one gel for every hour of running yeah. and like one one like solid food for every hour of running yeah. So, so we, so maybe we had like I envisioned in my mind we'd be out running for maybe 16, 17, 20 hours. I was thinking of it like yeah, a full yeah, day. Yeah. So, Optimistic to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we we took about ten gels in our bag, but we knew we were going to meet Danielle. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so it was like it was supported. So we knew that we were going to see Danielle. Yeah. So we didn't need to like carry carry gels forever. Yeah. And so we we took like maybe ten gels and ten things to eat. But one good thing that we did between us throughout it, we would we'd always go halves on whatever we were eating. Yeah. So like we wouldn't eat a full protein bar, we'd, we'd go halves on it. And like you just need that mixture of carb gels to keep you going and that that real food, real solid food for like just to keep um, one thing one thing that I didn't realize that I need obviously the change of socks. Like I changed my socks three times. Uh, and I had, and honestly, I can't rave more about the shoes that I had on. They were sick. The, the, the Nike ones that I got, they were, they were amazing. The ultra Nike ones, honestly, they're just like so waterproof. And you, I think you, you were like complaining about wet feet all the time, but I even changed my feet. I changed them though three times because of just rubbing. It was just constantly rubbing just because of the, the friction of the, just, just constantly plodding and plodding and plodding. And I, I found that getting some Vaseline on the edges of your foot made a massive difference as well. That was like a big thing because blisters, I know it's only a blister, but it can actually stop. It can no, stop it can you from moving, completely stop you from moving. 100%. So like logistically, I always put um, uh, plasters on my nipples. That's mm. like the, I won't run <laughs> without plasters on my nipples, run far without plasters on my nipples because it is they do they can come off they, they can fall off and like they're not, it's horrible like running it's his nipple like a bit of, it is like a bit of a cliche they say oh yeah joggers runner but joggers nipple or whatever but it definitely is a thing yeah 100%. yeah um and my shoes weren't waterproof so by like the second day it. like yeah. i was and it was just it, the conditions of it, we're getting to the conditions but the conditions are so bad on your feet mm. um i don't change my, my socks because i'm just i'm just lucky with, bl with blisters really i don't, mm. I don't get blisters on the maybe my shoes on my socks, I'm just quite lucky with that. Well, you're lucky with with being genetically perfect for an ultramarathon run with like legs this big and cadence like this size. Like you just like just keep trotting on. Where I'm like dying, you just like keep going. You could have just gone again once we've gone to the end. You're like, yeah, it was all right. Like, not too bad to be fair. I was like, what? Fucking, you know, I'm there like dying in absolute agony, anguish, pain, just going, kill me now, get me home. But anyway, let's like let's like go in review, like completely like starting off. From where we started, going under the time, the emotions we felt, how we we dragged each other through it. Because there's times when you were high and buzzing, I was low, and like, it, in fact, being together was good to like, drag each other through it in a way. Because at times there was, I looked at your face and you were gone. I'm not joking, you were completely done. And I'm there thinking, you know what, we can do this. And I was kind of pulling you along. But then there was times when I was just finished, and you were you were the one dragging me there. That was obviously later on in the day. So let's like start off like the first bit. Obviously, if you can see what I'm going to do after this, it was obviously um, that John this week, I'm going to actually do a review on the bl uh, the blog side of the website to show like all the route, what we did, how it was, what checkpoints we stopped at and stuff. But we can go and like discuss it now. But so people can have a visual of it later or um, obviously this week or later this week. But we start you start off obviously from the hotel and you just dropped off in the pitch black. Well, we got dropped off because yeah. we had a chaperone. So basically, if you're going to do it, if you're going to do it in one day or two days, you need accommodation in Newcastle City Centre for the first night just to get you started. And then you need accommodation on the other side, whether that be on in the Lake District, it could be Gretna Green, it could be Carlisle, just somewhere along those way. And just then, think how far that is. <laughs> it is mad. But then 
like somewhere in, somewhere in between as well could be a bit of a safety net, which turned out quite well for us. Because mm. because Danielle was our chaperone, our yeah, yeah. support crew. She'd already booked somewhere for her, to her for her to stay that night, yeah. and hopefully for us to stay for breakfast. But going back to our first day, we started in Newcastle City Centre. Basically, that's yeah. where you start. And the first like ten k, fifteen k is quite interesting because you're running through along the time. It's Newcastle, like all the lights are on. And it, it's class, isn't it? If you're like, wouldn't it be great to finish there and have a beer and have a good time? In retrospect, definitely do it the other way. When obviously there's no pandemic on, so you can have a few beers at the end, 100%. But like when we started off and we're jogging down the time, it was obviously, that it full, it was almost fully locked down. Oh no, it was like intermittent lockdown, wasn't it? You could have, you could have meals and whatnot uh, with a group of people. But um, as we're jogging down and that first underneath the tide, we're like buzzing and we're like, you know, proper going like, well, this is all right. This after like, you know, 10, 15 K and you just start to come under the tide under the first seven bridges. And that, that guy who was there eating his chicken from the night before. <laughs> was yeah, where like, had he been? It was like, what is going on? This guy's just eating his fried chicken from the night before. We're like, God, this is, we're, obviously it's five in the morning. People just still stumbling home from uh, going out and get on the sesh. But yeah, so we're going under those bridges and we see like, you know, that, that we were flying there. We felt good, you know, you had, we had a good buzz. But it's, I, I think for me, getting up to that first marathon because the, the, the topography of the land is actually quite steep going up at that first section, isn't it? Well, the first like 20 or okay, 30k was all on tarmac and yeah. it was all, all nice path, road, whatever. It was like nice underfoot conditions and it was like, we were going, we were doing 10k an hour. It was like, <laughs> This is all right. This it's going, it's going good. Yeah. And then just as we were like needed some more water, a petrol station popped up. Yeah, so we went yeah, and had, yeah. went to the petrol station, filled our water bottles, had a, had some breakfast, had a coffee, had a coffee. Yeah, just like it was just oh, we were feeling great. It was, it was so good. That. Yeah. And then we were like right back onto it next twenty k, and we'll yeah. go and like bash out the the next twenty k, and then same again thing. Same thing happened again. We didn't really plan this. We were just lucky. Yeah, it was the really cafe good. that was open like or a pub. We went in there, sat and had. Did we have a scone? And like, yeah, we had a scone. scone. It, was made, it was the best scone ever, like double and, cream, laid up, jam yeah. and everything. But you've got to remember that this is like COVID uh, during the, the pandemic. So we didn't actually know what was going to be open. So yeah, we were loads of things so lucky. We were so lucky, to be fair. But like, if you want, on, on my Instagram, there's like the, 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 light, the I've got the, uh, the highlights of the, all the clips. So I, I watched it today, actually. It's pretty good, to be fair, of obviously where we went. And so you can get a good good reason of what we're talking about and where we're up to but um yeah so we get to that so i think we were going fine we were going good until we weren't going good so the first two was it two marathons up to was it two marathons it was the first marathon first marathon up to that up to that up to up to up to until we stopped and had that uh scone basically yeah but the weather was the weather had turned completely hadn't it the yeah. weather was oh my god yeah it was just like torrential so it was just like you're running in I'd read somewhere, but I think it might have been wrong. Like, go from Newcastle to the Lake District because you're running the wind behind you. That definitely fucking wasn't true, was it? No. We were running into the wind for the full, whatever, however many hours. No, it wasn't. It was as soon as we left that cafe, right? We got into that cafe, the rain started coming down and it was like really cold, spicy rain, you know, like it felt like it was just, you know, getting into your skin and like we're just cooling down. It was just getting through all your, your, your waterproofs and stuff and it was just feeling like you are cold here. So we actually warmed up inside that that uh that check checkpoint didn't we but as we got out of that checkpoint your legs and my legs just seized up and then we just hit this driving rain like you said it was just like the wind was just completely like in your face and from that point on it, it was it was torture most of the time yeah well like every step was through like mud like imagine like the worst mud that you you know when you're like out on that on your pa- on your walk and you get to that big puddle and the mud, yeah. it's really bad mud, like up to your ankle. Like it's that kind of mud. And every step was like that, wasn't it? Like yeah. so every step you had to work for, it wasn't like just like plodding on. It was like not slipping over. It's not, it's not getting your foot stuck. It's like, you have to pick every step and like it's, it's, it's draining. And also it saps your energy because you're not getting that bounce back from the pavement or from like, from the grass, you're just sinking in. So you're losing, you're losing momentum every step, just like trying to trying to get get on. on. You've got you've got a bit, you've got to bear in mind as well that like we initially, obviously from your research, from people who we've like read up on the on the internet and stuff, 
that it, it, it was a, a pathway, you know, it's, it's, it's the, it's the uh, Hages wall path. And, and in a sense, what we kind of could envisage from those readings was that it was quite a well-tridden path. But the thing is doing it in October was the path is just non-existent. You get, you get a bit of road, then you're on a path, which is meant to be quite, you know, a well-trodden summer path. But that path was just a cow's field that was completely trodden by swathes of cows everywhere. And we had bad, bad, bad weather warnings. So it was just, the path wasn't existent. It was just a mud bath that we were running through. And then that stint killed us off. Like it really killed yeah. us. Because we knew we were, we were running through a place called twice brewed which is the halfway point of the the uh, the wall so we knew that was our halfway point we we're going to meet danielle there yeah and we were going to have a beer and then going to crack on <laughs> and on it was only like 10 miles wasn't it like 10, 10 kilometers mate not even 10 miles 10k it was 10k and then we were running along this this like to this pub and then danielle just happened to drive past us because mm. because she'd been sat in the pub waiting for us yeah for, yeah, yeah, yeah. For a bit longer than we anticipated so she came back drove back and thought she might be able to see us and she just drove past on the road didn't she and like yeah so we, we climbed over like onto the road and like we had some had a, had a feed didn't we we had this all this yeah. nice pasta oh yeah she made some pasta but the good thing is that it's obviously that road was it like the a i can't remember the 559 or something that literally fo almost follows the path so if you have got chaperones and support that's perfect for that was that was perfect for having well that's what centers under though like because Danielle had just been in that pub and she was like, oh, it's just literally just down there, yeah, like, yeah. like 10 minutes. Yeah. So we were like, 10 minutes to the pub. <laughs> we were just like, this, that's amazing. We're going to get to that pub. We're going to have a beer, maybe some food. We're going to crack on. It's going to be lovely. And then that 10K was like the worst mentally. <laughs> that was the worst of any ultra that I can think of in my head. That was the worst of any ultra. Any? Any that's race. what I mean. So like, I was just going to say, what did it compare to any other ultras you've done? Because I know you were in anguish. I know you're in pain. I know you were suffering at times. It was just, it wasn't even like pain. It was just annoying. Like it was horrible. It was just wind, gale force wind. You can lean into rain driving into your face. Really bad underfoot. It was just like, never ending wasn't it and i just kept thinking oh it's gonna be over in a minute it's gonna be over in a minute so psychologically yeah you're like you're just waiting for that pub and it just didn't come no. and it just kept getting it further and further away so it was like torture but what would what were like the point where we are at this point we're on the hadrian's wall path but let's 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 be fair there's not much of hadrian's wall that you see throughout oh no don't yeah. don't go do hadrian's wall for hadrian's wall <laughs> there is no point there's like you know probably cumulatively about one kilometer of wall left yeah, yeah. in the whole 135 kilometers so like it was it was very lackluster but then the thing that that point where it was like so hard you're going over um oh the what the north northumbria as you as you go anyway you're going over the the, the, the past of the mountains that mountain section the hill section as you're going up the wind was just so like you said was driving at your face it was just like every step you were getting blown back to, to i'm not even over exaggerating it was that difficult but at that point i had like kind of a, a a bit of a lift a bit of a boost i don't know why i think the pasta just like gave me that you wanted to get to that pub i was like let me get to that pub and we can like reset and we'll be fine and at this point we we're like you know what we can still like crack on i know it's getting a bit dark i know it's like you know it's potentially getting a bit dangerous but i was thinking once we get off that hill the wind would have stopped. It would have been fine. But obviously, saner minds prevailed in terms of you were like, I don't think this is, I don't think this is going to be safe to, to, to carry on the first day. But that that initial, we just rose up so high. I think that was the highest point that we got to, wasn't it? And every kind of undulation that we went to, it was just like another hill that was just absolutely battered by the by the elements. And then you just like kind of trying to follow this path. And every time we just got over a precipice, it was just bam smack back and then we just we lost that momentum every time so it was demoralizing to to to, to fuck <laughs> it was absolutely demoralizing but that was that was to the halfway point as well yeah, so that's what I mean. like, we aren't even halfway we weren't even halfway at that point that was the, that was the demoralizing thing and then i think that's what uh, kind of sunk in for me was when we got there it was you were like you know we're only halfway and i just like ah oh. But we, we we still wanted to plot on, but it, like you said, you 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 kind of knew it was too treacherous. Yeah, well, like the path, the way it was, the path, it was just so mad. 
and the way you lit you do need to know where we had our watches to follow. Yeah. But we would have been blind men basically out there because if you can't see that next sky, or at least like you go into these fields and these fields might be like one K. Why you can't see the other side because it's all all the ups and ups and downs, isn't there? Mm. So like it, it's it's hard to describe if you've never been like, but to go and do that in the nighttime with our shitty head torches yeah. in that weather, I I don't think we would have like died or maybe wouldn't even got injured. But no. I think we might have made about 10k in six hours. Oh, like because you know because I mean? the next day, like we so we went so we decided to call it off. Then we we decided to you know what this isn't safe. Like obviously you can see on the the, the story at the time we just said it's it's not going to be safe to pursue to carry on and to try and do it in a 24 hour stint. Because and then luckily we stayed over. We watched a bit of a film. We wound down. We got to sleep and felt absolutely dreadful the next day. Like creaking my knees and my hip. Honestly, I felt like how was... like we the logistically it was really good that place because we had a washing machine, a dryer, yeah. a really nice big TV. So we went home, recouped, got a few beers, got a bit of wine maybe, and washed all. <laughs> I don't our... advise. I don't advise this kind of sustenance. <laughs> washed all our clothes and like dried all our clothes. So the next day, we'd we'd been fed, we'd been rested, and like. All our clothes were dry, and we went out, and we we drove exactly back to the the point where we left yeah, off. Yeah. Which it's halfway, like it, yeah. psychologically, it was good, wasn't it? So every step we took from then on, we knew it was a step closer to home. Yeah. And li literally, it's it's kind of downhill from there, yeah. or at least flat. When you get three quarters in, it, it flattens out. So the first the first three quarters is all up and up and down, but in the last quarter is flat yeah. like literally flat so flat and marshy <laughs> marshy and muddy and horrible but at least you're not climbing up a hill yeah exactly so we're going so we, if we just take it back to like so obviously that restart that second day what we were saying is that we kind of we kind of it was it sounded so good that we did call it a night that night because it was um the next the next day when we started off how how hard was it to even navigate those next three styles like it the, the next even then they got lost like the next 10k was like in, hard to yeah. in the daylight to navigate yeah. with our watches with our gps watches it was mad wasn't it like the yeah. terrain there was absolutely mad um so it was just like so not only did we, did we call it off because of like the danger aspect and the night and like the weather the weather the storm warnings it was like in hindsight when we went back the next day it was like fucking hell we would have we would have like still been around this point that was seven hours later. We've not actually lost it. Lost oh, out. I just honestly, we we made such, we made the right decision. It was definitely the right decision, and obviously, we wanted to do it in, in a twenty four hour stint. But um, I don't think that, to be honest, my hip would have like lasted out for for that much longer. But do you know what? In the first day, it was actually fine. It was more the second day that because I'd rested and like obviously like, the inflammation yeah, set in and like. That, that that then started again. I felt fine for, I was flying, wasn't I? I was absolutely flying for that first, I don't know, 10 to 12 to 15K. And then all of a sudden, I just felt like a grinding sensation, a clunk, and I was just like, oh, no, what is this? And then from that point on, it was just a battle against the mental. And just, it was just, without you, obviously, we would never have fucking done it, to be honest. It was that muddy, like, I had, I had like, running sticks, like, because I knew the, the incline was going to be bad. I just took them anywhere just to save my legs, like over a long run. Then, you know, the hiking poles are yeah. quite good for ultras. And one of them just snapped because that's how muddy it was. Because yeah. it yeah. sunk in the mud that deep, just snapped in half. Like that's how muddy it was. Like the, yeah. the poles are snapping. It was mad, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, you can't, you can't like, unless, unless obviously, I, I really want to, like, I really want to be able to show people that's why i've got these videos and i will i will get this i will get this um this this video diary kind of uh blog set up because obviously talking about it's one thing but to see it and to see like obviously what happened and see how it was is another thing obviously you can see on the instagram story of like a snapshot of every like you know every kind of checkpoint that we went through and what we did but um yeah it's, it's not advisable to do it in october and it was obviously I just thought, you know what, let's just do it. Me being naive and green to the actual whole situation, but you obviously knowing that it was going to be a, a much harder challenge than I kind of initially thought it was. But you know what, I'm absolutely 
glad that like I did it and like you know got 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 through and did did what we had to do and raise that money for for for, for Macmillan like 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 we wanted to and also I wanted to uh, and it's now say that like I'm thank I could I, I tried to get everyone's name up who obviously uh, kind of donated but because it, it was quite a while back now and they're already doing some sober march or whatever they're doing um I could, I wasn't able to find all the names but I know that like there's quite a few big donations there I think Barry Brown and uh, gave a good a big donation and Rebecca Ferrest gave a massive donation so the, everyone who gave and supported us that was the more than anything for me was a huge driving force to keep us going and like seeing those messages come through on instagram was like oh I, it, it is it is it, there is a meaning to do this like I, I obviously i had a purpose myself to do it and like i wanted to do it for obviously the the for the, for the Macmillan uh, cancer support and stuff but when you start seeing those messages come through periodically that gave me a massive boost i don't know about you i was just yeah, like like it is it puts a bit of pressure on you doesn't it like there's yeah. no there's no escape it, <laughs> I quite like having it out, like. <laughs> but when you got the charity, got the got the cancer charity on your back. Yeah, you nah, can't you can't throw the talent. You can't, you, 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 can't, can't do, you can't do it. You got to do it. So honestly, it was like, so like getting down from that hill and then coming down into the the the, the town. It was just uh, from that point on, it was just I my hip was just in absolute agony. If you watch the videos, it was just a case of me just plodding along and you just like killing it basically and waiting waiting for me and waiting for the checkpoints for me to <laughs> to get through it basically in a sense but honestly it was like one of the the hardest thing i've ever done and um i don't think i'll ever do it again i think more than anything the obviously the weight that i kind of i'm a lot heavier than you and you are like designed for those kind of things i think that i needed to train a lot more of that which i know i should have done i should have done like a few, a lot more some smaller runs and like, you know, chipped away at it and done it that way. But in, 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 in kind of summary of what we did, it was an, a massive achievement, like on both parts. I think that like, I've got to thank Danielle massively because she, without the support, and I think everyone should have a support system. Without that support, we would have been absolutely ruined. And obviously me thinking we could just get through, it's only running, you'd be all right. Like <clears throat> we needed that and you, you knew we needed that. So like I've got to obviously say you know thank, thanks to Danielle for that because that was unbelievable like getting those that, that yeah like turn. the support crew is like so unsung like don't get the glory but like it's the hardest job like you've got to sit around wait it's boring you've got to like drive to places and do things like Emma's always been my like support crew but like it's just it's a thankless task really because you don't even get the the glory or the sense of achievement finishing the thing yeah but without them you're screwed you are absolutely screwed and if there is anyone who's like kind of thinking about doing these things and thinking about doing an ultra or a, or a, a marathon or a further yeah just uh like me and that me and you will be happy to like obviously answer any questions and and do what we have to do to try and like support through that because we have some things planned uh going forward um so in light of the, I'll, I'll just go on to in light of what happened with the, with the run and like kind of my injury. So I got told that I had um, osteoarthritis in my hip recently and probably it was accelerated by the run that I did, but I'm just not listening to anyone really by saying, oh, I'm going to have to have a hip replacement and stuff like that. So what the kind of my prognosis going forward is to try and raise awareness for having um, surgery and getting surgeries go wrong and trying to raise money for stem cell research for osteoarthritis in people who have of, of 30 to 30 you know 30 to 40 years old because i i have no choice now to to either have a hip operation and have a hip replacement have five hip replacements for the rest of my life or try and go for some experimental surgery yeah, so what so what they're saying to you like is that uh, have a hip operation and then they last like how, how long do they last 10 years, years 10 to 15 10 to 15 so you'd be like you're stuck with that and the only reason that you're in that position in the first place is because rugby major had that have that hip operation in the first place so yeah, it's like well, this. yeah it's mad yeah but well well you're not like like i should have done i should have done more research myself but at the time you you are you are kind of thrust into that kind of um okay you either do this surgery or you you you, you get back into training and train because there's you, you had a chronic i had a chronic injury it was just like you know it's kind of building up repetitively it was getting worse and worse and worse all the time but all in retrospect, all I needed was to have a, a good uh, four to six months off with uh, like intense physio. But the, there was no option of that there. It was either 
yeah, get the operation and, and get let's get back and play or let's just get back into training and just be in pain. So I had no like kind of other options, but really in retrospect, I should have like, you know, really read into the, to, 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 to the operation, to the success rate. And like now after doing a lot of research afterwards, obviously too late now, we have found that the recovery rate from this specific kind of operation is around, around about 20% to get your full function back, which is obviously a death sentence for someone who's um, a professional sportsman, and, and obviously I, 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 like my mental health after this was like in, in tatters because of the fact that I can't able to just get up and go for a run. Like that's for me, that's like a massive, massive handicap. But obviously, I can't even. I'm not trying to compare myself to someone who's you know like Andy Reid, who you spoke to, and I'm going to have on my podcast. Who's obviously had like a, a massive traumatic injury, and like he's he's lost both legs in his arm, and obviously I've got massive respect for Andy. I can't wait to get him on the podcast. But at the same time, like when you are told one day you can do something, the next day or you 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 can't train, you can't play rugby, you that's it, you're you're retired. It's like still a massive thing to take. So. Like moving forward, I know that I've obviously spoke to you about what we, what what we want to do briefly, but that's just um, is is to do some fundraising events and and to link up with we're going to link up with Andy and Hodge. Um, what's the, the, their charity that they do? It's Standing Tall Charity. Standing Tall, Standing Tall Foundation. Yeah, Standing Tall Foundation. So we're going to kind of link up with a few people and like um, try and raise some right raise awareness and raise some funds for charities alongside. Um, some uh, this stem cell therapy that um, obviously I want to get to kind of at the last ditch kind of attempt to save my hip and I probably shouldn't have done the uh, the, the ultra run in retrospect but you know what you only live once and if they're saying that I'm I'm gonna have one leg by the time I'm 40 anyway I might as well just push it to the limit yeah so what, what have you got in mind I have actually I've, I've, I've put the feelers out there and I've actually got two 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 trips in mind I've got a Dubai trip where um it's only in the very infancy of, um, you know, discussions with quite with a few people over in Dubai, but we're going to do uh, a sand kind of uh, run because obviously low impact on, 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 on my hip and whatnot, trying to going to do a sand, a sand marathon in the desert. And then we're going to look to do um, some kind of cycle with a, there's a guy over there who, who, who I used to go to university with Ahmed and um, I'm going to uh, liaise with him to, to, to organize a hundred like maybe 135k bike in the desert around Dubai and, and, and further and then we're looking into obviously do a swim so it's like kind of a, a triathlon of sorts but maybe over three days so like do it like a holiday like go on a holiday in Dubai but like adventure holiday so like yeah. do like one running one day biking one day yeah and then and, so have a good time as well yeah and like obviously that's why obviously I got you involved is because you are as your job a I'm a tour leader. You're a tour leader, mate. So the thing is, like, because I wanted to like get you involved in the whole process, is because that you've got this as your expertise. This is your job. You you kind of plan these tours and you kind of plan these events, and you've got a, a background in these ultra events. So that's why, obviously, we wanted to kind of link up and use obviously yourself and, and me together. So in on that kind of note, we I, I mean we want to just plan for the next six to eight months. And try and get this try and get this organized and i want people to kind of if they if they're interested and in, in joining and um you know actually actually jumping on jumping on the tour as well and like or they have some some kind of fundraising event that they want to tag along with like that's why we're working with um a few people in the space and they want to kind of all join forces to kind of boost boost the exposure of it not just for for for, for my cause but for all other causes like associated with all the different charities yeah, well, like they could pick a pick a cause and raise money for that cause um, as well. Like, there's, yeah. there's a few ways of doing it, isn't there? Yeah. So it's all in the infancy, but that's kind of moving forward. And like, I want to touch on like uh, what happened in terms of so from this point on, when we were like from the from the point of starting the podcast, which we kind of got inspired by by doing obviously this first the first episode, which then ended up me doing an ultramarathon stupidly, <laughs> but. Then you started your podcast on travel because obviously we've got to talk about your podcast now because what is it? Travel bubble. <laughs> travel bubble, yeah. Come on, then give us um, a give us a synopsis, a synopsis of the travel bubble. So, in a not so dystopian future, <laughs> world authorities have put the world on lockdown, and you're, for some reason you're only allowed to visit three countries for the rest of your life, 
And they have to be countries you visited before. Yeah. Not including your birth country. <laughs> There's also a fourth wildcard country, which is a place you've never been to before. So basically, it's a just it's a travel boat podcast, and it gives guests the chance to talk about their favorite countries. Yeah. But we try to, I try to speak to travel industry professionals, so people who work in the industry, yeah, um, or adventurers, or like people who've been to like 60, 70, 80, 100 countries, that them kind of people. So like. Like to get you give inspiration to people listening to add more places onto their bucket list. And to be honest, I've been listening to it, and I, honestly, I really do like. It. I'm not just saying it because you're here and like Bobby Smokey Rouse, but I actually do enjoy it because it's like you know you're not travelled in so long, and it's like gives you that kind of um, ignition, that kind of like I want to I want to actually go to these places. I've 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 learned that there's like quite a few countries that I would really want to go. Botswana being one, like there's there's some there's some places that I think oh I've not been and like these these sound sick. Uh, what was the one in uh, South America that was like got to go there? Um, maybe Colombia, uh, Providencia. No, it was the uh, north near Mexico on island. But anyway, yeah. anyway, but anyway, there's some good places there, and and like honestly, if you've not seen it before, go and listen to it. But yeah, anyway, we're gonna wrap it up, and uh, thanks so much for coming back on, guys. And um, yeah, we'll uh, catch up again soon. And thanks yeah, everyone. Sure, Thanks everyone who tuned in. I know it's just ad hoc and I've never really done this before, but... Do you want to open it up to questions? Let's see if anyone's if, actually listening. If there is any questions, if there is anyone listening, because I've not got the... Uh, I've not Go got on. the the thingy on, to be honest. I can't see. Go on, I'll, I'll see if anyone's asking a question. Well, then you go for it. Go on. Um, I'll, go give, on. I'll give everyone 30 seconds to ask a question. Yeah. Because um, I can't see that. Somebody second. called... Samantha Armstrong, never heard of her. <laughs> she said, "Loved it, love you." And I think she's talking to you there. She's commented on nice, you. Nice, nice, nice. I think it probably, it probably more, more than likely talk to you to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, somebody called Megan Armstrong uh, clapped three times. Oh, brilliant! Somebody called Danielle Armstrong said, "You two, <laughs> you know, it's a full family affair. I think it'll be all right." <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got a few waves from people. I got, I think, um, I can only see on my end. I've like got quite a few of the the. I got. I can't see just because my camera's just facing this way, and I can't see anything because the way it's held, and I can't see anyone writing anything or talking. So it's just pointless. But anyone who watched, thanks so much for tuning in. And uh, yeah, I might do it again sometime. But when I get this set up a lot better. Oh, um, someone called Megan Armstrong has asked a question. <laughs> uh, when you run on sand, do you wear shoes? It would be nice not to, but it'd be pretty hot if I didn't. It'd be it'd be pretty well hot if you didn't like. Would yeah, it? I think you you would literally do it just to protect your, like, feet. your feet from getting. Yeah, because it just it just burn up, wouldn't it? It actually crisp up. Because there's that there's that there's that one in the desert that they do. What's that six 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 one? Well, there's one called Marathon de Sables, which is like that's what first got me into this event, like big long adventure runs, which is a Moroccan run through the Sahara. Yeah. Um, and they do it over like six days, and they do usually like a marathon distance per day over like six days. Yeah. So is there any, is there is there another is there another ultra that we can do to test my hip again before it actually packs in? <laughs> well, I'm doing one a um, uh, couple of weeks actually. Oh right, uh, yeah, brilliant! I'm mad into uh, fastest known times at the minute. FK FKTs. <laughs> so, mad for it. <laughs> mad for them, yeah. So if you if you go and look at for fastest known times, there's a, it's a thing that exists. Um, and like it's like maybe Hadrian's Wall has a fastest known time. Someone's yeah. done it in the fastest known time. Um, so I'm gonna go and set a fastest known time for just a random it. course. Well, it's um it's a pilgrimage route, so it exists. It's a proper route. Yeah, it's called the Saint's Way, which is quite apt. Yeah. Um, but it's in Cornwall, and it's from coast to coast in Cornwall, right? North to south. Um, what's the time? No one set it. So I'm definitely- oh buzzing. Can I come down and just cycle next year? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be the FKT for the same. That is sick. That's my that's my next ultra. I'm gonna do that on my birthday, I think. Trust you. Why, why do you always want to run on your birthday? What's up with you? Trust you to find the all probably the only route in the whole of the UK that has no fastest known time. <laughs> no, it's lucky that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we've got another question here. Um from um Stu Armstrong, he's put Running at night? Question mark. Yeah, we had, we had head torches, didn't we? It was uh, it was it was quite tricky to be honest. 
Um, I think that was like you have to have a decent head torch and you have to have like you know we were we were running behind each other so that we could see each other's footsteps and stuff. It was it was quite tricky. Like to be fair, that was a yeah yeah. Or running at the dark in the desert, your your dad said. Again, I think um, head torch, but in the deserts the, the temperatures drop drop dramatically, don't they, at night? Yeah. So it'd be, you'd be like juggling juggling like cold and heat. But I think a nice hot daytime desert marathon, like as long as we've got the support with water, yeah. I think that'd be a good test of. Yeah, like, I think like like you were saying, logistically, there's companies out there that that do these kind of like run these events, and I think that that's like we're going to obviously go down that route of using a company instead of having to organize and plan it ourselves and try and kill ourselves. There's yeah, just be, to make it safe. Yeah, make it yeah. safe. They, they, they have these they have these companies that like know the path, the path, and you get a, you get a, you get a number and whatnot, and you. I think it'll be. I think it'll be good as long as we can get like you know like a good group of like ten to twelve people to do it along with us. I think it'll be an, a, like an amazing experience, and I've got like a good few people out there. Like I've got a mate called Chris Pearson out there who's uh, who knows the, the the like the ropes of Dubai, and he's like doing some uh, really good stuff in there with like some of the training camps and stuff. So I think it'd be good to do like some um, to get him involved, to get other people involved out there, and you know, even, even speak to the likes of um, Apollo Perolini and stuff like that who actually still work out there and see what they know and what how they can help us out with uh, with the whole process. But obviously it's such early days, but I think it's going to be uh, something that will be a kind of experience of a lifetime. Yeah, it's good. Um, another question. Uh, someone called Daniel Armstrong has said, who's the fittest? Uh, I think I think Dyer's just because he's uh, just keeps going forever. He could probably just do two ultramarathons. Well, uh, different kind of fitness, isn't it? I yeah. reckon I'm quite good at ultramarathons, but I think categorically you're the you're the fittest <laughs> in in all aspects. Yeah, and someone <laughs> called Emily said she's gonna, <laughs> she's going to do the um, fastest non-time run on April the first, which is the day oh. before my birthday. Also ties in with April Fool's Day. Quite Sorry, funny. And um, last question of someone called Samantha Armstrong. She said, how much did you raise for charity in the end? Like, oh, it's over £2,500 in the end. So, like, thanks to everyone who did actually donate because it did it did all start to add up, like, and it was, it did, like, that, that was that was uh, something that I, I aimed for £1,000 and that was kind of optimistic and we got over 2500 in the end. I'm not quite sure the exact figure, but last time I checked, like, a few months back was 2500 So That's great, isn't it? Yeah, so thanks everyone to, who did actually donate and it was amazing. Class. Yeah, so we'll call it a night there and wrap it up. And so thanks thanks again. Cheers, Dyers. You've been yeah, thanks, man. mate. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, man. Take, care. Take it easy, buddy. Take it easy, everyone. See you later. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Thanks all for listening. That was me speaking to my guys about the ultramarathon run that we did. Hadrian's Wall, 135 kilometers. I hope you got something from that because it was uh, a, a challenge to say the least. And, um, you know, I, I love having a chat with, with Matthew because um, there's always pearls of wisdom that comes out. And he's such a, such a great bloke and you should check out his podcast again. It's uh, Travel Bubble. Just search Travel Bubble. It's, it's a great concept. So uh, please check it out. Up next, we have Owen Lidley. And Owen, I used to play rugby with him uh, back in the day for Saints uh, in the academy. And then he turned to judo. He was already uh, fighting as a judoka, but he went to the Commonwealth Games and now turned mixed martial arts fighter. And he's just recorded his first win, um, literally, as of recording this Saturday the 10th. So yeah, so I'm excited to get Owen on and talk about his his obviously his previous adventures and his training and his um, his transition into mixed martial arts. So look forward to that. So yeah, take it easy. I'll catch you all soon in the next episode.